As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Saturday Slammin' Jam, hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. With questions and participants from all around the world. That on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slammin' Jam. Back is I missed this shot, I'll walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show and get The Athletic for $1 a month for six months. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, it all started last Friday night with a playoff preview between the Knicks and Cavs, who will be meeting in the playoffs in the 4-5 spot. The Knicks beat the Cavs in Cleveland without Julius Randle, 130 to 116, led by Jalen Brunson's 48 points. It was a career high for Brunson, whose name would pop up later in the week when Mavericks owner Mark Cuban held a midweek press conference to let everyone know it definitely wasn't his fault that the Mavs let Jalen Brunson walk in free agency. Cuban blamed the fiasco on Brunson's father, recounting the entire saga and reading off text messages between Mavs GM Nico Harrison and Brunson's agent Aaron Mintz. What other scenario would that ever happen? What other team franchise can you imagine that actually taking place? uh, Yeah, maybe like old school Vivek, but like Vivek and the Kings, they're they're, they're good now. Like everything's, everything's good there. You know, so this is purely a Cuban thing. And if you think it sounds embarrassing, like it was, but you have to remember (laughs) that we're dealing with a guy who publicly tweeted at Elon Musk last week, asking him why he was losing Twitter followers. Like imagine being a billionaire, having all that money. You can do anything you want. Anything in the world is available to you. And you choose to spend (laughs) your time worrying because freaking DankNug69 just unfollowed you. What's wrong (laughs) with you, Mark Cuban? (laughs) On Saturday, we had a key matchup in the West between the Clippers and the Pelicans. Despite having one of the toughest closing schedules in the league, the Pelicans have been handling it with relative ease, winning eight of their last 10, including this one, a 122 to 114 over LA. Brandon Ingram had 36 points in the win and has been on a tear as of late since returning from an ankle injury 12 games ago. 
Ingram is averaging 28, 6, and 8 on 51, 42, 89 shooting. The Pelicans are currently the eighth seed as of Friday morning, but things could change very quickly as they are only a game back of the Clippers in fifth. And apparently, if there is a four-way tie, the Pelicans would be the final seed. Pelicans, I know. Which is very interesting. Uh, On Sunday, the Dallas Mavericks played the Atlanta Hawks in a crucial game for the Mavs. Before I get to the game, I do have a request we're recording on Friday, which of course in the Twitterverse is Follow Friday, where we all share some of our favorite accounts with our followers. I'd really appreciate it if our listeners could tweet Mark Cuban's handle with hashtag Follow Friday. If you haven't heard, he's been losing followers lately. And it's actually pretty disturbing when you look at the numbers, the data, something unnatural is happening. And I don't want to get into my theories about it. But the point is, we as an NBA family can help. So I'd appreciate it if you could chip in. As for the game, it was one of the funnier endings to a game of the season. The Mavs were down two when Christian Wood was fouled by John Collins with 1.2 seconds left. He makes the first free throw, misses the second. So the Mavs are down one, but the ball is hit out of bounds on the rebound by a Hawks player with 0.1 seconds left. They review, though, and decide there's actually 0.4 seconds left. The Mavs run a desperation lob play to get JaVale McGee at the rim, and he's fouled. So Mavs down one, 0.4 seconds left, JaVale McGee at the line, and he misses the first shot. But he makes the second, sending the game into overtime, where the Mavs would eventually lose 132 to 130, pushing Dallas to the brink of play-in elimination. An absurd game from a very absurd team. On Monday, there were no games uh, on my TV because of college basketball. So let's talk instead about the 2023 Basketball Hall of Fame class, which was announced this week. Mm. It's a star-studded class. The NBA inductees include Dwayne Waite, Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker, and Greg Popovich. If my math is correct, those five have a combined 15 championship rings between them. The Hall of Fame ceremony will take place on August 12th this year, so mark it on your calendars because it's going to be a doozy. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, Joel Embiid had a moment in a marquee game against Boston. Embiid scored 52 of the Sixers' 103 points, going 20 of 25 from the field in the 103-101 to 101 win. He added 13 rebounds and six assists in the dominant performance, prompting head coach Doc Rivers to say after the game, quote, the MVP race is over. And while the game itself did not mean a ton for the standings, it did feel like a defining moment in this year's MVP race. On Wednesday, it was the battle for L.A. between the Lakers and the Clippers, with this meeting having a lot of extra juice. The two teams came into the game tied in the standings at 41-38. and 38. It was also the first time Russell Westbrook had played the Lakers since being traded. In addition, pretty much everyone outside of Paul George was available, including LeBron James, who had a game-high 33 points. It was the Clippers, however, who got the much-needed win, 125-118. to Norman Powell was the Clippers' high score with 27 points, and the Clippers moved into a tie for fifth with Golden State with the win, though there is still much to be decided this weekend. And finally, on Thursday, the Phoenix Suns got their seventh straight win overall with a 119-115 to victory over the Denver Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets were without 
Jokic, uh, Murray, MPJ, Aaron Gordon, KCP, probably some other guys. DeAndre Jordan started a basketball game and played 30 minutes in 2023. The point is, yeah. this wasn't Phoenix's most impressive win of the year, but it is seven straight wins heading into a fun Friday night matchup against the Lakers. And speaking of number seven, that is how many three-pointers Chris Paul hit in the game, which was a career high for him. The wow. Suns are locked into yeah. the four seed with their opponent still to be determined what a week it was, Andrew. What a week it was. You know, it's Friday. The season ends on Sunday. And you think, Easter. oh, well, Easter Sunday. We'll have, we, I thought it, at least by now we'd have a little bit of clarity as to what's going on no with clarity. these playoff, playoff matchups. Now, at the Eastern Conference, you have a lot of teams locked in. Boston, Milwaukee, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, Bulls are all locked in. In the Western Conference of the 10 spots, two are locked in. Two. That's it. The Nuggets and the Suns. And you have Memphis and Sacramento feels like it's close to locked in. So Memphis basically, so the NBA put this out today, that uh, if the Grizzlies win at least one game or the Kings lose at least one game, the Grizzlies are two. So that yes. that feels that feels like it's going to be Memphis Sacramento, but then you get to the five through nine, and you look at this chart, and it is just chaos, absolute chaos. And then you get to ten, and it's basically just can the Thunder beat the Grizzlies on Sunday, and if they can, they get in, and can the Mavs win these last two games, which is against the Bulls that's likely to not have their stars, and then against. The San Antonio Spurs, which can can the Mavs beat Zach Collins? That's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a crazy match. But maybe not. Maybe not. He's been he's been pretty good, Andrew. He's pretty good. So I was trying to. I think kind of everybody's trying to break this down. We're recording this on Friday. Comes out on Saturday. There's gonna be a lot of things that happen tonight that could determine if Dallas loses somehow to Nick Vucevic and the uh, Chicago Bulls, then that's settled. So I don't, I don't want to dive into that. But I did want to talk about how a lot of people, when they're deciding who's going to win a playoff series, they look at it and say, well, this team has the best player. And so I'm going with that team because they obviously have the best player. So I thought we'd do a little best player bracket in the West with the, with the way the current standings are. You and I are going to go through and pick okay. best player. 1v1. And so we have these play-ins. Let's let's say the Thunder get in, and the Wolves they play the Wolves in the play-in. Mm. SGA versus Ant Edwards. I love Who's Ant. your guy? I love Ant, but I would go with SGA. In that instance, gotta go with SGA. Though I will say SGA has been looking very tired lately. He more exhausted yeah. than he's ever looked. So yeah. who knows what would happen in that game? But if I'm just choosing between those two, I still would. Go with SG. Yeah, physically he didn't look quite right in yeah. Utah last night. Um, and if it's Luca, I think we also pick Luca, right? Yes, agree. Where, where where are you at with with the Mavs? I mean, well, if I were a if I were a player on that team, would you want to play hard for Mark Cuban, who's the one who's like signing your checks, who's you know making all this stuff happen? Is that the guy that you want to play hard for? I just I just wonder if there's like, I think he wanted to give them a psychological edge by doing what he did. 
But I just wonder if that's that could backfire because it was disastrous. Yeah, it was. Very, I, I, I was re, the, some of the Mavericks people I follow on Twitter. They were talking about how that midweek conference felt like things that you would say in an exit interview, and like yes. the season isn't over yet. And so for him to come out and be talking about that stuff when his team like still has a shot to make the play, and I mean they could very easily win these last two games and OKC could lose to the Grizzlies on Sunday and they would be the 10th yeah. seed and they'd probably be favored potentially over Minnesota um, just because mm-hmm. you have Luka and Kyrie, even though I don't know if that would be the smart uh, idea. But yeah, this game tonight, which people, by the time they listen, they'll know what happened, but it's so critical because if they win, they're currently tied in the standings with the Bulls. If they yeah. win, their pick becomes eleven. And so they would have to jump to the top four to keep their pick at that point. If yeah. they lose, they could still have their their pick, you know, unless someone jumped them from behind. So, yeah, yeah. it's there's like no real great outcome here. Yeah, I mean, no, there's not. the The front office it would behoove them to lose these games. A behoove, it would behoove. Yes, it, it really <laughs> would. But can you have that conversation with Luca? Uh, no, I mean he he came out uh, this week and was talking about it. Um, yeah, saying that he, I know. He's, yeah, he's always going to push it till the end, um, no matter what. I mean, which yeah, really it's really stinks for Mavs fans because they had all collectively decided that the best thing for all of us is just to lose these games. And after that decision was made collectively by the fan base, it's like okay, now we're going to turn it on, we're going to win, we're going to be well, the kings. There's the potential for the worst case scenario, which is not making the play in and also not keeping your pick. Yeah. And I would want to just avoid that scenario as much as possible. Oh my gosh. But we know that the Bulls are sitting a lot of guys tonight. I think DeRozan's sitting. Zach Levine, I think, is sitting as well. So mm-hmm. it's set up for them to win, which could be a bad thing, depending on what happens with OKC. <laughs> uh, okay. So the other play in game. As of today, which who knows where this is all going to end up, would be Lakers Pelicans. Uh, Anthony Davis has been unbelievable, unbelievable recently. He's their best player, and then Brandon Ingram also. You mentioned it in the week that was how good Bi has been lately. Um, I personally would have to give the nod to AD. Wow, you didn't even you didn't think about LeBron Andrew. Uh, I did not. Wow. Do, you, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think that's wrong? I don't know. I'm I'm one of these people that I, I tend to just like go back to my defaults in these situations. Yeah. And it's like, why would I ever not choose LeBron until he mm-hmm. definitively tells me to not choose him? So yeah. I would probably just stick with LeBron. But yeah. either way, I would pick the Lakers guy. Man, Anthony Davis has carried the Lakers to a place that no one would have predicted. That they would I have agree. a chance. That they would have a chance to be mentioned in the in like to be in the four or five matchup you know even even knowing how um easier their end of season schedule run was compared to other teams i still wasn't thinking yeah. that they'd be able to get this high up the standings yeah with a, with a legitimate chance to potentially get one of those locked in spots now the clippers loss obviously hurt but yeah. um yeah you still have to commend them for what they've done post all-star yeah it could be 80 or lebron that's fine that's fine. But better than B.I. You'd pick them over B.I.? I think so. As good as he is playing right now. Yeah. He's been, he's been incredible. Okay. Playoffs are set. So let's start. Uh, Jokic versus SGA. 
I think that's easy. Yeah. Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Next. Next. Uh, This next one is so interesting if this ends up (sighs) happening. KD versus Kawhi. KD versus Kawhi. They both have similar uh, issues in that they we just haven't seen a ton of them. We've seen a lot more of Kawhi lately than we have yeah, Durant. Yeah, for sure. Um, which doesn't quite match the uh, the narratives around Kawhi Leonard, but he's he's been great and has played he's a been lot awesome. lately. Yeah, they Who both have pick, injury filled seasons. Although you know Kawhi's been playing well for a while now, I yeah. would still. Go with KD. Yeah, I would be my too. pick. Yeah, which it's like, hey, Nuggets fans, you've you've had this incredible season, and you get round two, Durant and Booker and Chris Paul, who's playing well right now. It's like good luck because I, I mean, both teams don't have incredible depth. Neither team has like some great bench, and so it really is going to come down to like. Jokic versus Durant. I'm like, how does how does that play out? Like that. Yeah, and, and if that ends up happening, it's fascinating. And a team that's been been together for three years versus one that's still like figuring stuff out. Yeah, and I I saw them up close and personal the other night in Oklahoma City, and boy, I I would fear that team, man. Uh, the chemistry stuff, it all that all matters. It definitely matters. But when we're talking about this high high of a level player, I don't know. I don't know. I would be horrified if I were a Nuggets fan. Horrified. Uh, Okay. Another team that's just fought so hard. And things have really worked out. Light the beam. De'Aaron Fox. But in Hmm. this current matchup, it'd be De'Aaron Fox versus Steph Curry. It's just like, oh, no. What do we do? Uh, I mean, Andrew I, Wiggins is supposed to be back for the playoffs. He's not going to play the rest of the regular season, but I don't know. This is a this is a rough one for the Kings to have to endure. And I, I honestly would be taking Steph in a lot of these matchups where I'm just trying to choose the best player. Um, yeah. So this one isn't really a thought for me if we're just looking at who I would take as the best player. And that's what we're doing. We're just looking at the player. Curry is still unreal. Unreal. I mean, you, yeah. And you look at uh, John Hollinger put out an article today on the athletic, go to the athletic.com slash NBA show, get it for a discounted rate. Uh, his all NBA first, second, third teams. And he's got De'Aaron Fox and Steph Curry on his third team. So both of them have, have had ridiculous seasons and Curry's missed a lot of time. And still you have to be like, man, he's still easily one of the 15 best players. In the NBA, just no contest. And you know, we we dismiss like the Shea thing pretty quickly with Jokic, and I, I'm not going to go back to contest that. But Shea is on his first team All NBA, and will likely be on a lot of people's first team All NBA. He's had a absolutely spectacular season, and has like blown away expectations for what he could be. I just I can't pick him over Jokic just because Jokic is obviously a top three player in the league. But just a quick head nod to uh, to Shea, who's had a great season. So is that the West? Uh, say again. Is that the whole West? Did we do the whole West? No. So we have. So now we have Ja versus AD and LeBron. Whichever one you want to pick, I would pick AD. Yeah, I'm still taking the Lakers, guys. 
man, Overjaw. Is it because of uh is it because of the stuff that's gone on with him personally? Is it just you would just take those guys even if there there wasn't all of that hubbub going on? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I'm always going to default to the guys that have proven it over and over again. I, you know, it, it goes back to like the question of like Bi. Like Bi is obviously playing incredible right now, um, but when it comes to guys like LeBron or it comes to guys like Steph, I'm always going to default back to them until it's definitively clear to me that I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about how bad the West is all year, and how. And and it has been like statistically, you look at all these teams, none of them look good on paper, as far as their their team stats. But still, we get to the conference semis, and it's Jokic versus KD, LeBron versus Steph Curry. It's like, man, that's pretty good. If that's what if that's what ends up happening, like that's pretty great theater. For this oh, Western Conference. Yeah, the way the bracket is setting up currently, of course, we don't know what's going to happen, but the way the bracket yeah, is setting up currently would be incredible. I mean, every single matchup that you've talked about so far has awesome storylines with either yeah. history between those teams or history between individual players who have been compared throughout their career. So, yes, it's setting up brilliantly. So, who would you take, Jokic versus KD? <laughs> Isn't this hard? Like, this is a ridiculous matchup. I mean, I I would take KD. Yeah, I think I would as well. And then Curry and LeBron. And I would take Steph. I'm always going to take Steph. And now we have the ultimate (laughs) storyline, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is what I want. Steph versus KD. And I'm taking Steph. I mean, that is that would be an incredible, incredible Western Conference Finals. It would, absolutely. Yes. The the narratives of those two guys, what they did together, KD leaving, Steph doing it without him, and finally getting to meet in the playoffs in the same conference would be amazing for a a trip to the finals. If that's how it ended up, I mean, Andrew, Andrew, the TV ratings would be through the roof. They really would be. They really would be. And who would you take? I'm taking taking Steph. In this matchup. Taking Still stuff. going Curry. So, with all the hand wringing that's gone on for the Warriors all year, there's you're still <laughs> you still believe. I there's yes, I'm just, I'm just a very big Curry believer. One of my favorite players of all time. I hold yeah. him in the highest regard. And yes, I am taking him. If we're just comparing one on one, I'm yeah, pretty much always one. always taking Steph. Yeah, I I think I would go Durant actually. Totally I understandable. Think I think a lot of people would. He is so unstoppable. It doesn't matter who you throw on him. He will get to his spot, and he is unbothered by almost anybody because he uses his length better than just about anybody in the league. And then the defense. I mean, just watching him up close, even at his age, even with all the injury stuff that's gone on, it's like, man... Like, there's no answer for this dude. And you could say the same thing for Steph. Like, there's no answer for him either. But uh, this, I, I kind of just wanted to illustrate that, like, even though the West has been down, I think we're headed for what could be one of the more exciting Western Conference playoffs in a long time. Definitely. So. For as much as the East feels like chalk to some extent, the West 
continues to feel wide open, except that it's like loaded with stars. Loaded. Absolutely. From top loaded. to bottom. Yeah. I, I cannot wait. Next week, we're going to be previewing the playoffs, Al. I cannot wait. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of this run-up to the playoffs, the post-All-Star break, because it's, it's goofy season, Andrew. We're wrapping yeah. up the part of the NBA schedule where things get weird. You know, uh, Teams are sitting mm-hmm. players, random players start playing really well, and everyone wants to, to remind us that things don't matter right now. Don't be fooled. It's the mirage of March basketball in the NBA. Uh, that said, last week, when we were talking about this year's surprise teams, I mentioned that maybe we should have seen SJ's leap coming because he had been so good post-All-Star in 2022, increasing his scoring average from just under 23 points per game to over 30 in that final stretch. And if that stretch was a hint of what was to come for SGA, could that mean we may be getting those same signs right now for someone else? Is there a pre-leap happening right now for a player who will blow up next season? So that Hmm. brings me to my top five pre-leap candidates for spring 2023. Uh, So these are guys who are playing significantly better post-All-Star than they were previously and who I think might actually just be that good and will show us that next season. And importantly, I did not pick any rookies because it's not uncommon for first-year guys to have a nice stretch towards the end of the rookie season. Um, For the guys I did choose, that doesn't, this doesn't mean that I think they are, you know, on the SGA track to start them, but I'm buying mm-hmm. them taking a leap next season, whatever that means for them and their role in the league. So to make my selections, this was difficult, Andrew. I opened two windows of NBA.com backslash stats. I went team by team, comparing pre-All-Star on the left, post-All-Star on the right to get my initial list of candidates, which was around 15 guys, and I whittled that down to my top five after doing a bit of research. Uh, before I reveal my list, though, I did want to provide a little more context because I actually went back to last spring and did it for last year to see who else, other than SGA, was really good post-All-Star break. Guys okay. who significantly improved their efficiency and counting stats, some of those names that I found, De'Aaron Fox, hmm. Hmm. Kyle, Kyle Kuzma, Emmanuel Quickly, Low- Lowry oh. Markinen had a very nice post-All-Star Whoa. break stretch. Patrick Williams, all guys who were making a pre-leap last spring and are now having wow. career years. So it's not all a mirage, is my point. Some of what we're seeing might end up mattering. Okay, so on to top five pre-leap candidates for spring 23. Some honorable mentions. These are guys that definitely popped when I was going through the names, but they didn't make my final cut. Austin Reeves, obvious candidate. Uh, Talon yeah. Horton Tucker, who probably has the biggest points per game jump from of anyone pre to post all-star and uh, Markel Fultz, who I talk about too much. So I'm not going to put him on this list. Okay. Number five, Kobe white. Now I've always liked Kobe white. Keep going. Keep going. Let's hear this. He's been playing some really good basketball as of late. Nothing crazy. He's averaging 11, three and four post all-star, but he's significantly improved his efficiency, shooting almost 42% from three, 61% true shooting. By the way, did you know that Kobe White is fifth all-time in Bulls franchise history for three-pointers made? He's fifth. Wow. Doesn't that sound wrong? Doesn't that sound impossible? It does sound wrong. Yeah. Uh, Rob Schaefer wrote a good article for NBA.com detailing this recent stretch for Kobe White, talking about his improvement in multiple areas. Now, it's only one data point, and it doesn't mean everything, but Rob noted in his article that this is the first season Kobe White's on-off numbers have been positive. The Bulls are 5.4 points per 100 possessions better 
when he is on the court, which is only behind Derek Jones Jr. and Alex Caruso on the team. White himself is quoted in the article saying, I think this is the best basketball of my career, and it's a good time to be hitting his stride because Kobe will be a restricted free agent this summer. I'm just interested to see how White continues to develop. His combination of shooting and playmaking is valuable, and I think he could potentially grow into a larger role in the coming years. Again, not predicting stardom, but just saying, hey, this guy's showing a lot right now, and I actually think it could have the potential to carry over into next season. So that's number five. Number four, another combo guard. It's Cole Anthony. You know, last year, he put up impressive counting stats, 15-5-6. and six, But the efficiency yeah. wasn't really there. He shot under 40% yeah. from the field, under 34% from three. It kind of felt like a good stats, bad team kind of season. But it was a solid season overall. There were still a lot of questions, though. This season, in a smaller role, he's only started three games this year. He's playing the fewest minutes of his career. But he's been better, and he's been particularly good post-All-Star break. In his last 20 games, he's 15-5 and 3.5 on 48-43-91 shooting. I think efficiency was always the question with Cole, and he's now shooting career highs across the board, and it's not particularly close to his first two seasons either. He's you know somewhat of a forgotten man at times in Orlando because you have Paolo and Franz. Yeah. You still have Wendell Carter Jr., Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz. There's so many guys worth developing in Orlando. But I think he's actually found a role this season that works for him and this team going forward. So this could be a prelude to him succeeding even more in kind of that guard off the bench role going forward. Number three, Andrew. Number three prelude, Corey Kispert. Corey Kispert. Now, this guy's name definitely pops. When you go through and you're just comparing yeah. counting stats, post-All-Star break, he's been great. And then, after I, after I wrote him down, I went on Twitter, almost immediately saw a Jackson Frank article about Corey Kispert and his recent play. It's a great yeah. article that gets into both why he has improved as a shooter this season, but also why he's not just a shooter. Uh, it's a very mm-hmm. good article, so check it out. In terms of his statistical pre-leap, He's up to 14 points per game, shooting 43% from three, 67% true shooting. In what has been a particularly wizards-y season, Kispert has been a bright spot. And for a team that has really struggled to nail their picks in the late lottery, hitting on at least one is kind of a relief. And it kind of feels like, okay, they have hit on one with Corey Kispert. Is he going to be a star? Perhaps not. You know, I'm not predicting stardom. But I think his role in Washington is only going to continue to grow And he has a legit shot to develop into one of the better shooters in the league. Number two. Now, this is is where it's getting spicy, Andrew. There's a a line of demarcation from three to two. These next two guys, my expectations are are a lot higher, okay? Yeah. This is a guy who also had a pre-leap last season. Maybe he just likes playing basketball in the spring. It's Emmanuel Quickly, who is the favorite for the sixth man of the year award. I'm starting to get really excited about Emmanuel quickly. Post All-Star break, he is 24 and 4, shooting 40% from 3. His minutes have gone up by 5 a game, but he's increased his scoring average over 7 per game, and what's exciting to me is his usage. He's up to 25% post All-Star, up from 19% pre-All-Star, but he's only gotten more efficient. He's having the most efficient season of his career, and it's happening as he's taking on more and more of that scoring load off the bench. To have an efficient scorer like that off the bench, who is also good defensively, 
is just yeah. wildly valuable. I mean, traditionally, when you mm-hmm. think of six man of the year, you're thinking of guys like Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford. You know, yep. maybe he can become that level offensively, but what he's bringing defensively just takes him to another level of value. If this is a pre-leap, if he could do this over a full season next year, we're talking about a very, very good player, which is why I have him at number two. But that brings us to the number one pre-leap candidate for spring 2023. Any guesses, Andrew? Pre-leap. Who would I be super excited about how they're playing right now? Post-All-Star. I don't know. I don't know. When I look at your face, I only think Marco Fultz, but you've already told me it's not going to be Marco Fultz. That's right. Talk about him too much. It is Trey Murphy the third. I love this guy. Boy. He has been incredible post-All-Star. Jumped from 13 Mm -hmm. points per game to almost 18. He had that 41-point game against Portland. He's shooting 43% from three post-All-Star, but what specifically is exciting to me is the volume of threes. He's up to over eight threes per game in his last 21 games. He had a game against the Clippers recently where he hit 10 threes. If this is a pre-leap and he could shoot on that volume over a season, he would be in elite company. There's only 15 guys this season who take at least eight threes per game. And of those 15, he would rank as the third best percentage. He's 6'9". He'll be 23 this summer. And as he showed us in the dunk contest, he's not just a shooter. Per cleaning glass, he's up to 73% at the rim, which is in the 88th percentile for wings. Just an absolute steal at 17 in that draft. A draft which New Orleans moved back seven spots in the Steven Adams trade. So those are my top five pre-lip candidates for spring 2023. Again, not predicting stardom. I'm not saying uh, Trey Murphy's the next SGA or Larry Markinen. Just saying I'm buying into what these guys have done post-All-Star, and I think they will kind of solidify their place in the league next year. Yeah, I'm all in on the Kenneth Murphy the third experience. Kenneth Murphy? What did you just say? That's his name. That's his, it, that's his real name. His real name's Kenneth? How yeah, did yeah. I never know that? Now that, now that you're saying uh, that, I'm remembering that Trey is a reference to three-pointers. The third. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And the three-pointers and... Being the third, yes. but also, yeah, just this is a Will Guillory thing. He is Kenneth Murphy the third, or he's Trey Murphy. Okay, okay, he's not Trey Murphy the third. Now he's either Kenneth Murphy the third or Trey Murphy. What is he just, listed on? Just so we're clear, what is he listed on on Basketball Reference? He's he listed as Trey Murphy the third. That's Trey why Murphy I wrote it. The, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's wrong. Well, if that's anyone wrong. listens to uh, Slam and Jam, who works for Basketball Reference, maybe we could update it. And he's updated. And he's updated. Uh, something that doesn't need updated is Miami Heat, and we're going to talk about them right after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, Andrew, it is time for our favorite segment, the Wheel of Fandom. Each week we spin a digital wheel, it lands on a team, and we become fans of that team for the next week. And this week, the Wheel of Fandom landed on the Miami Heat, who at the time of spinning the wheel were on a three-game losing streak. The wheel, though, obviously blessed them. They won three in a row this week with wins over Dallas, Detroit, and Philly. The winning streak has the Heat sitting at 43-37. and 37. While they are only one game back of the Nets for the sixth seed, the Nets have the tiebreaker, which means the Heat will be the seventh seed and will be playing either the Hawks or the Raptors in the 7-8 playing game. According to Cleaning the Glass, Miami has the 25th ranked offense and the 7th ranked defense on the season. Andrew, if the Heat are our favorite team, who is our guest? It's my guy Wes Goldberg from Locked on Heat and the blog All You Can Heat. You can find him on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Wes, what's up, man? Not much, man. It's a three-game losing streak, like you said, and then a three-game win streak. It just that's the season for the Miami Heat. Consistently inconsistent, maddeningly hard to understand. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna get into it here. So Yeah, so so this week we saw Spolstra try out a new starting lineup. He moved Kevin Love to the bench in favor of Max Struess. Uh, with Struess in the starting lineup, the Heat won three in a row. Uh, what do you think was the motivation behind this change? And is this the starting lineup that we're gonna expect the Heat to have in the postseason? So the Heat would never admit this, right? Because when you think about the Miami Heat, you think about defense and all these things. They would never admit it, but they've basically given up on being a top 10 defense. Um, Mm -hmm. They have not been a top 10 defense for a very long time. I know that they're right now, I guess, on the season still seventh, but they were top five for most of the year, and they've been kind of consistently slipping. So... That whole their whole defense was sort of propped up on smokes and smoke and mirrors in the first place. It was not as reliant as just getting like a traditional stop uh, as most good defenses are. They really relied on turnovers and kind of a lot of hard work. They were playing Caleb Martin and, and as an undersized power forward. He was fronting guys in the post. He wore down, um, and they basically took him out of the starting lineup after the All Star break for Kevin Love. And then when it was clear that Kevin Love wasn't really the answer that they were looking for at power forward, that just his size wasn't enough to sort of balance out that front line, they said, you know what? We have no other options. Let's just sort of lean all the way offense. And so they're basically playing these three guard groups. I get they're still listing Max Struess as power forward because Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be listed as power forward. But let's be real. It's three guards. It's Jimmy Butler and it's Bam Adebayo. They are running super small. Like this is not small ball. This is like micro ball. This is nano digit ball. Like I and uh, (laughs) but it's sort of working like it hasn't been the easiest schedule. They beat the Sixers last night who were like sleepwalking through that game. But you can only judge with what's in front of you. And based on the sample that we have with this starting group, it's kind of working. They have the number one offense in the league over like the last week. So, again, you play, they played like a bad Detroit team, a bad Mavericks team and, and Philadelphia sleepwalking. But, hey, it, it's sort of working. And so that's sort of the calculus behind it. Mm-hmm. So two of those starters, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, are going to be free agents this summer. They both make hardly anything yeah. under $2 million this season. Uh, what do you think is the likelihood that they retain both those guys? Uh, I would say as close to 0%, maybe like a 1% chance. Um, hmm. I just – it's it's fun. Like the fact that they're both starting at, the, at this point in the season, do or die time, like that's cool. Spo obviously trusts them, but this team needs – real changes and when you're looking at where those changes start you kind of have to start with the free agents and because those guys are unrestricted i would imagine that the that they'll probably walk also they're they've got two big extensions kicking in between tyler hero and jimmy butler 
I don't know what it's going to cost to retain Gabe Vincent and Max Strews, uh, but I would imagine that there's going to be some other teams also trying to to get one of those guys, if not both of them. And so maybe they bring one of them back, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see a world where where they're able to bring both of them back. I could be wrong, um, but right now I just think when 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 you consider how many changes this team needs to make, you kind of start with free agents walking. So you kind of answered uh, my next question, so I'm going to kind of reframe it. But I mentioned over the full season, you know, Miami is 25th in offense, 7th in defense. Over this final stretch of the th- season, things have flipped. Since yes. March 1st, the Heat have been 6th on offense and 24th on defense. I wanted to ask you, like, are you feeling more confident about the offense or the defense? It sounds like it's the offense. So I guess what I want to know is, like, do you think that there's still a good defensive team in there? Like, do you think there's a rotation that they can go to in the playoffs that can kind of recapture some of that early season magic on the defensive end. They could just go back to the old starting lineup. And I think that lineup would be good defensively. They could run Kyle Lowry, or if they really feel strongly about Gabe Vincent, they can run him at point guard with Tyler hero, Jimmy Butler, and then put Caleb Martin back at the four and then bam, obviously at the five. And I think that lineup is good defensively. They're closing games mostly with that group. Anyway, when, when they really have to get stops, that's the lineup that they, that they go to. So that lineup still exists in those pockets in games where they could play elite defense and force those turnovers and kind of play this mad, crazy, controlled chaos style. They could still do that. They just don't want to be doing that for 48 minutes. They don't want to be doing that for long stretches anymore. So I I think they could still get there when they have to. But Mm -hmm. I am a little bit more confident in the offense right now. Weirdly enough, I mean, over the last 15 games, they're shooting 38% from three-point range, and that's sort of the bellwether for this offense. You know what Jimmy is going to do. You know what Bam is going to do on offense. Tyler, to a, to a lesser degree, but still. It's it's the guys like Vincent and Kayla Martin and Struess. If they're making shots, then this offense sort of turns a corner. So by this time tomorrow, we'll know who Miami's playing opponent is. Do Heat fans have a preference between playing Boston or Milwaukee in the first round? Boston or Milwaukee? I think that I think most Heat fans would want Boston. I think that there's part of Heat fandom that wants to say we were a shot away from beating you in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think Heat fans feel like they own a certain amount of real estate in the collective mind of the Boston Celtics team and fan base also. And I think that there's a little bit of that too. Whereas Milwaukee is terrifying. Like they're obviously the Heat beat the Bucks in the bubble a few years ago. And then it was yeah. after that where the Heat fans were really confident going against the Bucks and they run into the Bucks in the playoffs the next year and they get swept. So not great. Uh, and, and Giannis is a very different player now than he was in the bubble. And you can actually almost perhaps even credit the Heat beating him in the bubble for some of the changes that he's made to his game involving the mid-range shot and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think the answer to that question is they would prefer to have Boston. I don't know that anybody wants to run into Milwaukee. Yeah. So what's the recipe to beat Boston for the Heat? Uh, do what you did last year. Just take that series, drag it into the mud, let Jimmy Butler do Jimmy Butler things, just throwing elbows and, and bumping knees and just getting to the uh, basket, getting to the foul line, limiting turnovers, which Jimmy Butler is really good at and the rest of his teammates have gotten much better at, and then making those shots. I mean, they could have went to the finals last year if they made that one final three-pointer yeah um mm-hmm. and so that's that you're gonna have to shoot with the boston celtics team to some degree but really what it comes down to is getting them to play your game not getting into that high pace game just trying to get it into the mud get to the free throw line and win the game that way so i wanted to ask you about a uh, forgotten man duncan robinson uh <laughs> since signing his big contract in 2021 his role on the team has gradually vanished almost in the 20 games post all-star break he has played more than six minutes in only four of those games 
knowing that he still has three years left on his deal, $57 million, what do you think his future looks like? Do you think there's a, still a shot that he could be rejuvenated in Miami or have most Heat fans just given up on that idea? I think there's a chance that there's better basketball ahead of him in Miami. Um, it kind of goes back to our conversation earlier. What happens with Max Struess? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's the guy that basically supplanted Duncan in, in the rotation. And if he walks as a free agent and the Heat are looking around saying, hey, we need a three-point specialist to help space the floor. Well, you have one making $18 million that hasn't played for you basically all of the calendar year. You could just prop him back into the rotation. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. The problem with Duncan is that he fouls a lot defensively. He's out of position a lot defensively, and I, I think that coaches basically lost confidence in him on that end. But um, if you need somebody, he's there. And and if you don't have those other options like a Gabe Vincent or Max Drews or something like that, he's obviously there and more important uh, in terms of your rotation. But um, I just think he needs time, too. Like The thing with Duncan is if he's shooting 40% from three, you can live with the fouling. You can live with the defensive concerns. You can live with all that. But as soon as he went to that shooting slump to start last year and those numbers dipped from super elite top 1% in the league, kind of 40% level to above average at like 36%, 37%, all, like the math just changes right now. He's, you're giving up too much defensively than you're than you're creating offensively and and he doesn't become playable. So if he can find a rhythm, which is the thing that I think he's missed most by not being part of the rotation is obviously that rhythm and that confidence that comes with it. Then I think there's there's a world where Duncan can be shooting 40% again and be a helpful player. So this week it was announced that Dwayne Wade will be elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, this will happen in August. A uh, few modern players are more connected to one team and one city like Wade. Uh, when you think back on his career, do you have a favorite moment that just instantly pops into your oh head? God. <sighs> So every if you asked me this once a day, I could probably give you one different answer every day. Like something else would be the first thing that the yeah. fr the first thing that pops into my head. I think so. Dwayne Wade was the reason I fell in love with basketball in the first. It was him, Kobe, and Kevin Garnett. But hmm. D Wade was the hometown guy, right? Yeah. And so I remember this one play where he gets a steal and then dribbles it like around his back with his left hand and kind of takes the ball from out of the ball never lands out of bounds, dribbles it almost out of bounds around his back and then around an opposing defender that was basically trying to bump him out of bounds. And he just like gets around somehow like with like like a phantom around the player with the ball and then just keeps streaking down the court and then finishes, I think, with a pass to Shaq for like an alley-oop. And I thought my brain exploded. I had never seen anything <laughs> like this in my life as a little kid in Miami. I was just like, what is happening? That's not even possible. Um, and so that's like the first thing that comes to mind. You know, obviously the championship runs, the 2006 finals against the Mavericks, all those things. But yeah, it was just he captured the imagination, I think, of uh, of sports fans here in South Florida in a way that nobody ever has. Like not even like Dan Marino, 72 Dolphins, like all that. None of like the 97 World Series Marlins, the 2003 World Series. None of them captured the imagination of of South Florida sports fans the way that D-Wade did. That's awesome. That's a great answer. I'm very excited. We were talking about it earlier, but this Hall of Fame class is just loaded. There's going to be so Stacked. many speeches. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids. And honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton 
is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Okay, well, Wes, thank you for answering all of our questions about the heat, but it is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head with the beat writer this week, Wes Goldberg, host of the Locked on Heat podcast. Now, Wes, how this works, I've come up with eight questions about the heat. Some are easy, some are hard. You'll give me a number between one and eight. It'll correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get at least two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one, and then we'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So to start us off, Wes, I just need a number between one and eight. So just as a preface, I'm terrible at trivia. I'm, I, I'm, it's a win tonight uh, today for me if I get one of these questions right. Uh, let's start with uh, Dwayne Wade's number three. Question number three. The Heat have played 24 different starting lineups this season. Among the top 10 seeds in the East, there's only one team that has had more starting lineups than Miami. Who is it? Now, I've narrowed it down a little oh. bit, so we at least have it down to nine teams. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's got to be either Brooklyn or Toronto, it feels like. So I'm, I'm going to go Brooklyn just because I did so many personnel changes. The Brooklyn Nets, that is incorrect. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Will you go with Wes's other answer, or are you going to choose a different team? I'm thinking about it. Uh, what about Boston? You know, I thought... This question would be tricky, and no one would ever guess Boston because they've been so good. But yes, it is Boston. Boston yes. has played 25 starting lineups. Now, Wes, uh, Toronto is tied with Miami for 24. Um, so it would have been a good guess. Um, Andrew, the board is yours. Ignore that I marked out number four. It is available. <laughs> number one. Uh, Andrew, the Miami Heat. They have a lot of nicknames, Andrew, but not oh, all no. are basketball reference official. I'm going to give you... <laughs> Five nicknames. Mm-hmm. Four of them appear on Basketball Reference. One of them does not. 
Okay. Which is the fake nickname? Here we go. Mm-hmm. Boy Wonder, Groat, the Big Handsome, Dunk, and the Janitor. Once again, that's Boy Wonder, Groat, the Big Handsome, Dunk, and the Janitor. Uh, I don't know the answer to this, but I'm just going to go the Big Handsome. The Big Handsome? That's Andrew, Cody that Zeller. Is incorrect. That is, of course, Cody Zeller. How could you forget the big is handsome? It, <laughs> it is. We're gonna it's, and there's an updated nickname, the big bald spot now, unfortunately. But yes, <laughs> yeah, for real, that is. Uh, really so Wes, funny. you have a chance to steal again. The nicknames are Boy Wonder, Groat, Dunk, and the Janitor. I don't know what a groat is, uh, but it feel. I don't know how creative you are, uh, Alex, to to try to create some sort of made up word as a nickname. I don't know anybody that's known as the janitor, so I'm gonna go. With the janitor, maybe against my better judgment. Wes, that is correct. There the janitor go. is a nickname that Bleacher Report gave Kevin Love in 2011 that did not stick because he <laughs> cleans up the boards. Uh, Groat is greatest raptor of all time. That's Kyle Lowry. Uh, Dunk oh, is obviously uh, Duncan Robinson. Okay. And Boy Wonder is Tyler Hero. Okay, we have a tie game. Wes, you have control of the board. Ignore that four is marked out. You can choose four if you want to. I'll make it easy for you and I'll choose four. Thank you. <laughs> Andrew was hoping you would do that. Okay. The Heat have 13 two-man lineups that have played at least 1,000 minutes together. Among those 13 lineups, there is one Heat player who appears in the lineup with both the best net rating and the lineup with the worst net rating. Who is it? Two-man so lineups? Heat player. Now, these are all the most played two-man lineups. They all have to have at least played 1,000 minutes together. And there's one that's like a plus five and one that's a minus 4.6. And one Heat player is in both of those lineups. Is it Bam? That is incorrect. <sighs> Andrew, you have a chance to steal. Hmm. What about Tyler Hero? That's the answer. Tyler Hero, Andrew, that is also incorrect. Uh, Although Tyler Hero does appear in the best two-man combo, which is... Tyler Hero, and Caleb Martin. The worst mm. lineup is Caleb Martin and Max Struess. Okay. Mm. Back to Andrew. Game tied 1-1. Number two. Question number two. In a game against Oklahoma City in January, Jimmy Butler made 23 free throws. 23, which is the most in the league this season. There are only four other players who hit at least 20 free throws in a single game this season, how many can you name? Andrew, you could potentially get four points here. If you could rattle mm. off these four guys who each had at least 20 free throws, and I mean made 20 free made. throws. Made. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, SGA? Andrew? That is incorrect. Oh, no, Andrew. Shoot. Wes, you have, you have a potential chance to seal four points here. If you can think of four other guys in the league who could hit 20 free throws in a single game. I feel like I was trapped. (laughs) I actually didn't even think about that as being the reason you'd be trapped. There are other names on here that I know you will never get, but there are some that I thought you might. Did Luka do it? Uh, Luka Doncic did not. Mm. So no points awarded. Donovan Mitchell in his 71-point game hit 20 free throws. Uh, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Dang it. That's like that Makes was the sense. one that I was 
Oh, I was between Embiid and then the and two I didn't expect you to get. DeMar DeRozan, who does take a lot of free okay. throws, but I just didn't think you'd think of him. And then Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant had a game where he hit 20 free throws. I would have guessed have 200 names before. Him. Yes. <laughs> Can we scrub that from the history? That doesn't even count. That feels like it shouldn't be real. It's so weird. Uh, folks, we've got a barn burner 1-1 with four questions left. Wow. Wes, you have control of the board. You're right in this, though, Wes. I you guess. Take I'm going to lead here. I'm going to go eight. Question number eight. Udonis Haslam has oh, played in at least one NBA game for the Heat for 20 consecutive seasons. Who was the leading scorer for the Heat in Haslam's rookie season? Oh, my word. Dwayne Wade? That is incorrect. Okay. Andrew, you have a chance to steal for one point. Leading scorer for the Heat in Udonis Haslam's rookie season. Oh my gosh! I have a, so I have a couple answers rolling around in my brain. Well, you only get to give one, Andrew. What are they? You may as well say them out loud. Uh, I know, I know. I'm thinking Karan Butler, okay, or Lamar Odom, okay. I'm also thinking maybe Eddie Jones, who was Three on names, that team. Andrew. Oh, I don't think Karan was that good then, because he went to the Lakers and then just. Wasn't great, and they flipped him for Kwame Brown, and then he kind of took off in Washington. Hmm. So I don't know that it, I don't think it was Karan. Um, I remember they had two Butlers. Who's what was the other Butler's name on that team? Um, Rasul Butler. Rasul Butler. Yeah, they got the two Butlers on the team. I remember that. Oh, was that your answer, Andrew? No, no, no. no. <laughs> now they have Rasul. a new Butler. Yeah. They actually have yeah, two have, butlers on the team now because Karan Butler is an assistant coach on the. On the yeah, team, so true. Still have two butlers. <laughs> yeah, I like to have two butlers on the team. I'm now I'm between like Lamar and Eddie Jones. And which are you going to go with, Andrew? Oh, I'll say Eddie Jones. Andrew Lamar Odom had 17.1 points per game that season. Eddie okay. Jones had 17.3. You yeah. are yes. correct. Gosh, I knew it for one yes. point. I felt even uh, you're if you're watching here. on if you're watching on YouTube, which you should watch on YouTube. Wes is like nodding along as he's as I'm saying Eddie <laughs> Jones. So that made me feel yeah. a little bit more confident in that one. Yeah, I was like, I said, as soon as I said D Wade, I was like, that was stupid. <laughs> I freeze up at trivia. This is why I'm saying I'm t- terrible at this. All right. Okay, Andrew, you uh, have the lead by one point, and you also have control of the board with three questions to go. Five. Question number five. Tyler Hero and Max Struess are both averaging over seven three-point attempts per game. In Miami Heat franchise history, there are only three other players who have ever averaged at least seven threes per game, attempts per game. How many can you name? You can get one point per correct answer. Seven threes per game. Seven threes per game. Only three other Heat players have ever done it in franchise history. Who are they? It's one of them Duncan Robinson. That is correct. Duncan Robinson for one point. Um, what about Wayne Ellington? Andrew, that is correct. Wayne Ellington for another point. Can you get the final name? Oh boy, it's got to it's got to be just recent history because guys just didn't shoot seven threes back in like the early aughts or before then. So who are you gonna go with? Miami Heat playing seven attempts per game. I feel like I'm just drawing. What about uh, Dragic? I just I don't think that's right though. 
That is incorrect. Wes, you have a chance to steal. This is tough. Th- those those are the two easy ones was Duncan and Wayne. Um, one name left. Seven attempts per game. It's not Max and it's not Tyler because those are already, that's part of the question. Um, Jason Capono won the three-point contest, but I can't imagine he was taking seven a game. I don't think Ray Allen was taking seven a game back then. I don't think people are allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Mm. All right. I don't think this is right, but I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Was it Kyle Lowry last year? So, Andrew, you mentioned that uh, there's no way it could be someone from the past. Who'd oh, no, it is. It was a player from 1996-97. Tim Hardaway Tim took Hardaway. 7.3s oh. a game. Wow. I actually looked this, I looked this up randomly like a month ago, too. Dang. That is a lot. It, I was very That's surprised. I looked it up. So he was second in the league that year in attempts per game. Mookie Blaylock actually shot more, and like Reggie was right below him. <laughs> but yes, I was very surprised that it was a guy from the 90s. They must have thought mm. he was psychotic. <laughs> Taking that many threes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was, okay. Was Wes, that one that was did Pat Riley trade him right after that? <laughs> uh no, that was so that was his second season in Miami. That was okay. his he, that was his first all-star season in Miami. He had been an all-star oh, in gotcha. state, but and that was as a 30-year-old. So he had a long break and then he came wow. back and was a, wow. a two-time all-star again. Um okay, Wes, you're down by three, but you have control of the board. You could get it to within one going into the final question. All right, give me six. LeBron's number when he was here. Question number six. Now, uh, this is my favorite question. Oh, good. I'm very excited. Dwayne Wade was elected into the Hall of Fame this week. In honor of Wade, we are going to try to name the top 10 teammates he played with in terms of games played together. Mm. So games played with these guys, the top 10. How this works, Wes, you're going to give me a name. Then Andrew will give me a name. We'll go back and forth. To one of you stumbles. So, Wes, who's your first guess? Udonis Haslam. That is number one yeah. by a wide margin. Yeah. Okay, so. Andrew. Uh, LeBron. LeBron is number five. Back to Wes. CB, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh. Number three. Back to Andrew. Number three. Who would be number two on this list? Hmm. Can't blank this early. You can't blank this early, Andrew. <laughs> you got to think of a heat guy. Um, what about James Jones? James Jones, number six on the list. Back to Wes. The GOAT, greatest point guard in Miami Heat history, <clears throat> according to me and not according to anybody else that ever watched this team. Mario Chalmers. There's your number two, Mario, Mario. Chalmers. Rio. All right, back to Andrew. You guys have gotten uh, five of the names, half done. Can you get the other five? Oh, boy. Let's see. <laughs> this can't be right. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, number 10 oh. on the list. By the skin of your teeth, This is getting hard, man. This is getting really difficult. Um this is getting really difficult. Um, there's a few ways you can go. Like, don't give Andrew any hints. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I'm not going to start saying names. Um, <laughs> if he's using his Shaq card, that means he doesn't have a lot of names left up there in the <laughs> noggin. 
It's 100% true. <laughs> I think we I've still got have like number one... four available. We still have number six available. Hmm. Number four and number six available. Okay, I have a couple more in my head that I just I don't feel great about, but right. I'm <laughs> probably gonna probably gonna use. Uh, I feel like there's a really obvious one that I'm just skipping over. People are yelling at me right now. <laughs> uh, no pressure. No pressure, of course. All right. I don't feel good about this. I really don't feel good about this. I'm going to go James Posey. James Posey? That is incorrect. No. James Posey oh. is not in the top 10. Number four, Joel Anthony. Oh, Joel I thought Anthony. about him. Number what six, about Shane Battier. Shane Battier. Number nine. Oh, oh I almost said Battier. And then where's Michael Beasley? Number six is Norris Cole. And number Norris seven Cole. is Michael Beasley. Yeah, Super Michael cool Beasley. bees. Cool bees. Wow. Um, Andrew gets the point. Okay. Uh, you know, the win is is not a possibility anymore, Wes, but you can <sighs> wow. get this final eliminated. question correct. All now, right. Andrew, you get first dibs at it, or do okay. you? How many three-pointers has Bam Adebayo made in his career? You get to choose who answers first. So oh, you can make Wes boy. answer first and then go higher or lower, or you can answer first and make Wes go higher or lower. Number Gosh, of made three-pointers. In Bam's career. Made threes. It's hard to even imagine him shooting threes. So it can't, it's, it's got to be such a ridiculously low number. How many years has he been in the league? Is this I'm like not telling you that. Seven, six? Oh, he's probably got a few randos in there. I'll say 57. 57 threes is Andrew's guess. Wes, would you like to go higher or lower than that? I'm going to lower, and I think I have this one on the dot. Oh, what is it? What do you think? This has been a talking point, so I'm pretty sure I have this, and I think it's eight. <laughs> it's so, so the, much the, lower. It's so it, much is, it is so much it's made, lower, right? You said you, you said made threes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is much lower than Andrew's guess. Um, the th- one point I didn't mention at the beginning of this question is that if you get it right, you do get a bonus point. And Wes, that is absolutely correct. So you get the two bonus points. <laughs> Unfortunately, you still lose, but you finish wow. strong and you wow. nailed it exactly. Eight made three pointers for Bam Adebayo. In his just eight. like the Miami Heat this season. Eight. <laughs> I just thought maybe he made like I don't know ten a season just randomly. Goodness. Yeah, Wes, that was your that was your three game winning streak at the end of the that season. Was it. Too bad. I, I, play him. <laughs> my my thing as a reporter here in Miami is kind of the guy who tracks Bam's three point shooting because I asked Spo about it at the beginning. I think of last year. Yeah, and I was like, I just I started. It was like at, during training camp, and I just it just the words started coming out of my mouth. Something about Bam Adebayo and three point shooting, and Spo cuts me off and he goes, "Why do people keep making such a big deal about Bam's three point shooting?" He goes on this long rant, and it was my question that prompted it, and so now I'm sort of known as the guy who is obsessed with Bam's three point shooting. Although I don't really care if he takes threes, that's sort hey, of my it's understandable. Has we're he made any this year? Uh, let me no. see. He made uh, one in the preseason, I think. He, he's made one. He's one for twelve. 
Yeah, he made, it was like a buzzer beater, but he hasn't taken like an in rhythm three. Yeah, like in like three years, like in the flow of an offense, not yeah, like buzzer say, beating. It's just so down. hard to imagine it. Huh? It just doesn't do well, it. Well, I was gonna say, I think it's totally understandable because we used to always want Stephen Adams to take threes. And one time yeah. he took a three in a preseason game and made it on the opening possession. And we were like, First oh my possession. gosh, everything's Here go. changed. Here we go. <laughs> Our world is, is right. opened up now. Wow. No, And it meant it nothing. Not, yeah, he took, like, I don't even know if he took any in the regular season. It year. is comical how much different preseason basketball is than regular season basketball. Oh, yeah, it's a tease. It's an absolute it tease. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, go listen to Locked On Heat. Where you can find Wes and his, uh, you know, Bam at a bio uh, three point <laughs> tirades. You can go listen to yes. that. It's a, it's a really good show. Uh, follow him on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Wes, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Al, the Wheel of Fandom is over until I guess we'll talk. A, we can bring the wheel back after the playoffs, you yeah. think? Yeah, we can Maybe talk after about the draft. The- the Pistons and the Spurs in the summer. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. Maybe one yeah, of them yeah. will get Wimby. We'll have plenty to talk about. Oh, yeah, plenty to talk about. So uh, until then, just continue to leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and uh, we will read them on the show. Uh, just like this review, this comes from ASA Podcasting. It says, A slam and jam after my own heart. One of my favorite NBA pods, and as a bonus, they dropped an Elder Scrolls Oblivion reference in the last episode, garnering them an easy five stars. We all know inadvertent pandering to niche uh, audiences is the way to get a great star rating. Thank you so much for that review. This one comes from Shoot Shark. Says, five stars, sniff and glue guy. Love the show. Usually, I like the guests. The Nets correspondent is way off base. Does he Whoa. go to games? Ooh. Sorry, sorry, burn. Mike Smeltz. <laughs> Sick burn. Uh, I don't want Luca because I'm a Nets fan, and my limit for cheering on a whining superstar was reached when we had Harden. Also, Royce stays so close. Stays. So does CJ. No more trading. For the love of basketball, God. Thank you for that review, <laughs> Shoot Shark. Uh, and this last one comes from Marsh787878. Slam and Jam, five stars. Well, let's start with the fact that I started on the pod because of Zach Harper and Trevon Edwards. Uh, great reason to on Basketball Buds. Uh, but now I am all in on the Saturday Slam and Jam as someone that does a much smaller NFL podcast for fun. With some friends, I must say I love the format of the show. It's formulaic, but never stale. I'm one of the few people that believes there is a wheel that you spin. Call it blind trust. Hey, check it out. It's on YouTube. Go check out our past episodes. It's it's actually there. Uh, I consider myself a nerd, but you guys give a great recap of the week with a good chunk of stats, constant good guests, and I'm constantly surprised at the level of trivia. I even find myself looking up player nicknames on basketball reference for the upcoming week because I know (laughs) it's a constant question. Uh, thank you for being in my ears on Saturday mornings full of chores and Big B Ice Tea from Marshall. Thank you so much for that review. Hey, leave us a review and we'll read it on the podcast as well. Next week, we got the playoffs, Al. We're going to be talking about playoff series. We're going to be recapping or gonna, recapping the season some, but mostly just talking. And hopefully, well, last year we had lots of different guests. So I assume that we'll do that again. 
to uh, preview these playoff yes. series. So uh, it'll be us and Nerder She Wrote that will be previewing the East and West playoffs. So look forward to that. We've got the play-in. We've got all these exciting games. We, we just found out that the Mavericks aren't playing anybody, that Lucas will sit as, as probable, I think, still. But Kyrie and Tim Hardaway and all their role players are basically just sitting down. No Christian Wood tonight. I also found out that uh, Jackson Frank just posted an article on Trey Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many things going on. But yeah, when we said it would behoove the Mavs to uh, to sit their players, they uh, maybe they listened during this recording <laughs> that it that they should sit their guys. So uh, yeah, this is it's going to be a wild ride up until Sunday. So enjoy the basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week.